everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast with Borg, Betts, and a baller. Welcome in. It's the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast, and no one knows what day it is anymore. It's just one long week leading up to Thursday. I'm joined with Jason Moore, Matthew Betts, and I'm Kyle Borgannoni. Jason, how are you dealing with this week? Um, I have chosen to let my body and my lungs and my throat and my voice break down as I shift all energy and focus to my mind uh, in preparation to make sure that I can have the most accurate idea of what's going to happen that matters none. You know what I mean? Like we put, so, I have personally put so much time, energy, effort into the preparation for the NFL draft, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> in in the end, it doesn't matter whether I know who's going to be taken by who. I mean, you know, I've I've got some money on the line, so I guess it matters in that respect. But uh, yeah, mo- for for the most part, it's irrelevant. And the way that you've chosen to deal with this mostly is just sitting in a cigar shop 24-7 letting that kind of, you know. <laughs> Breathe it in. Breathe <laughs> it in deep. Nice and deep, Lex. Betts, <laughs> Betts, i got to ask you because 
I know you're Mr. Will Levis. You love him so much. He's your boy. You post about him all the time. I mean, how are you reacting to this news of, well, just in the last day that somebody has some inside information on Reddit? Yeah, what a time to be alive. The uh, the Reddit thread is moving markets left and right. Um, and if you're not aware, apparently there was a Reddit thread that someone who knows Will Levis told them that he's going to be taken by the Panthers number one overall. And the betting markets just went ballistic with this. Uh, was like, you know, plus uh, 5,000 to go first overall. Currently looking at it, Kyle, I'm seeing like plus uh, 500 on some books. Like it's just, it's so wild. So I think we all collectively, when I say we, I mean the public, the NFL, the GMs, fantasy people, we need Thursday more than anything to get here right now because people are just running out of stuff to talk about. But yes, if if the Panthers select a quarterback first overall who eats his bananas with the peel on, I might quit fantasy. I'm I'm a bit worried that there could be one person out there that has information that everyone else has missed, and now I have to start paying attention to Reddit. Because usually when I see people post something like that, I'm like, okay, this is the point where people are just going crazy. So I'm ready for Thursday. I'm ready to... Uh, get my draft on. And on this show, what we're going to do is prepare you for your rookie draft. It's one thing to kind of speculate about spots, but if we know that's going to happen, we want to talk about rookie draft strategy because, you know, in the league of record uh, or, you know, in the dynasty league, Jason, you guys do this Monday, like right away, correct? Yeah. I honestly, almost every single dynasty league that I am in does the rookie draft basically immediately following the NFL draft. And so this is a really valuable show because we're, we're not talking about the prospects today. We, where they land makes no difference. It's irrelevant. We're recording before the NFL draft. That's not what today is. Today is strategy. Today is how do you approach a rookie draft, generically speaking, to maximize the value. So it's a perfect time to listen to this episode and to prepare yourself for how to, how to tackle this. Yeah, and it, let's just say your draft goes on later on in the summer you can still listen to this show because we think the strategy points, the ways you look at quarterbacks and Superflex, so I have something I'm really excited to talk about with Superflex rookies and, you know, here's what we've done historically to here's how you can trade these picks now because they're not more valuable than they are right now. Like right now is the time that people are jonesing for whoever they're going to take at the 105, the 106, and you can trade those picks. So we're going to talk about that today. We have even more tips in the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus. In the Dynasty Pass, we have 10 Ballers Dynasty tips we have our full rookie rankings, which are going to be updated after the draft, a brand new rookie mock draft. So we're going to be working on this. I mean, this is work this week. Yeah, and, and it, it, this week is the ultimate draft week at Fantasy Footballers HQ. So we have a giant giveaway going. If you get the ultimate draft kit, the UDK Plus, if you order that before the end of this weekend, um, you are automatically entered to win a Jalen Waddle signed jersey, a DK Metcalf signed jersey, and more importantly, an entry for the listener league is very difficult to get into, but someone that is getting the UDK or the UDK Plus before this weekend will get into the listener league. It's basically the golden ticket. It's a Wonka golden ticket. It's the one thing that Betts and I, you know, we've, We've been privy to kind of move her up the ranks as writers. We've never been in the listener league. Is that something, bets that you are kind of jealous of? I really am. Every time I hear, you know, on the main show or this show, like, hey, you could be entered to get in the listener league. I sit here, I get excited for a second, and then I realize, well, you, not you'll me. never be allowed. <laughs> I'll never no. be allowed. But uh, someone else should definitely do it because I hear it is a fantastic time and nothing better 
than beating Big Shim. Than beating Big Shim in fantasy. I mean, come on. Yeah, this is this is. I probably shouldn't say this, but it's not a good time. You're gonna have a terrible time if you make it in because I'm gonna beat the snot out of you. I, I will say this: there's been people that still talk about their listener league. Brooks talks about it all, all the time in the office. Hey, I've been in this. You weren't. Uh, Brian Ketron will probably talk mm-hmm. about it until he dies. It'll be on his tombstone. It's pretty much the the thing of his <laughs> life. <laughs> so if you want to get that, you can pre-order it at ultimatedraftkit.com by this Sunday. So by the end of the day, and if you've ordered it at any point, it will be you'll automatically be entered. Uh, I have a quick question for us because the Aaron Rodgers news broke for us on the show. We were really fortunate on Tuesday's show that we uh, talked about Aaron Rodgers getting traded to the Jets. But I want to talk about the dynasty outlook of the Packers players. I think that's the other side of the equation that maybe has gotten lost in this because it's like, oh, sweet, the the Jets. So let's quickly run through this for people. Jordan Love. First, what is he? He's entering year four. The Packers have, uh, oh, by the way, a week to exercise his fifth-year option, and they don't even know what he is. But Jordan Love bets. I've got this question for people. Would you rather have Jordan Love or Brock Purdy in a Superflex Dynasty League? Yeah, I think, you know, outside of the top 10 guys in Dynasty that you are known, you know, commodities, the Mahomes, Allens, Hurts of the world, you know those guys are your your quarterback one for years. You set it and forget it. When I get into my quarterback two range, if I don't have another top 12 guy, you know, we're talking about these fringe options. I want security from a Superflex Dynasty quarterback. And you could argue none of these guys have security, but of the two, you know, Brock Purdy or Jordan Love, it looks like Jordan Love obviously is the starter this year, and they they will pick up his fifth-year option for next year. Um, and so I'd say he's more likely to be a starter in two years right now, the way it sits, than Brock Purdy. Of course, that could change, but in my opinion, I would just take the locked-in starter because if these guys lose their starting job, then they're obviously their value in Dynasty Superflex just, you know, falls falls through the floor. So... Uh, give me Jordan Love in that scenario. I don't know what Jordan Love is, and if people think that he's going to be a multi-year starter, like if somebody in my league that needs a backup quarterback says, hey, I, I, I'm i going to bet on Jordan Love. I'll bet against that. So Jordan Love seems like a player right now. This is the highest value you're going to get from him unless you know he gets an extension, but I'd rather trade away Love right now. Would you rather have Love or Desmond Ritter, Jason? I'd rather have Love than Ritter. I'd rather have Love than Brock Purdy. Um this is a well-run organization, and while we don't know if Love is any good, I mean, he's had basically one game in his career where he started 100% of the snaps. Um, in that game, it wasn't spectacular. That was a couple years ago, but he did rush the ball five times, and so you've got the ability to have a rushing baseline here, and like Beth said, he is a starter, so I'm, I'm not trading him away right now. I think... What's hard to assess with this Packers offense is it was historically good for those two MVP years from Rodgers, and then it scored 13 fewer touchdowns last year. So across the board, you look at the running backs, look at the wide receiver, they have nobody at tight end right now. And so these other options, there is a scenario where this whole offense tanks, they could end up third in the division. Like that's where they're at right now in terms of odds. So Aaron Jones, they restructured his deal, but he's going to be 29 after this year. A.J. Dillon in the final year of his contract, and then they have those receivers, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and uh, whoever else they take. So By the time you're listening to this, JSN will be there. It, that's what you picked, right? That is that is what I picked. Yeah, he's the odds-on favor right now, plus 300. 
uh, and they moved up to 13. So that's it's totally possible. I just look at this team, and there's so many unknowns that you have to take these assets and say, I think they're going to be more valuable a year from now, where if I was betting, I could see them being less valuable across the board. So uh, we have Aaron Jones in our Dynasty Pass as a trade-away right now. Um, and A.J. Dillon, we don't know if he's going to be on the roster. So any takes, Jason, on those running backs? No, I, I think you're right on the running backs. Aaron Jones' new deal is basically a one-year deal. That's what's going to happen. Aaron Jones will be there for a season, then probably be cut, and they'll move on, which means, yeah, that this is the time. If, if someone is in a championship window, Aaron Jones could be very valuable for them. I could see someone giving up capital for them, but it's now or never if you're trying to get something for the future for him. What about the wide receivers bets? 40% of the targets are vacated. Any quick thoughts on what you would do with Christian Watson, who was Jason's boy this past year, loved him in redraft, and you guys hit really big. I know your team did. But is it a fluky player when you get a couple of long touchdowns and then a new quarterback? Yeah, I mean, the the talk about Christian Watson, I feel like this offseason in you know 2023 outlook is going to be regression quarterback change because what he did from a numbers perspective without the targets and the volume was kind of off the charts and impressive you know don't get me wrong but he clearly is a player that they're building around and you know he's a guy that I think I'm okay to have in my dynasty rosters he's not a guy that I'm actively going out and targeting as a, I, I gotta get him sort of thing um, so I feel kind of neutral on, on Christian Watson Romeo Dobbs feels like a guy who's going to be potentially irrelevant as of Thursday night if they do indeed take Jackson Smith and Jigba, which I think the pairing of Christian Watson's, you know, vertical ability and downfield playmaking with JSN's, you know, security blanket over the middle of the field would make a ton of sense to kind of pair their skill sets together. So I actually love that fit for JSN. Um, so I feel pretty lukewarm on, on Christian Watson. I think it's a, a good solid landing spot though for JSN. There'd be some opportunity there uh, in Green Bay for sure. You can look at every single team in the NFL, our team opportunity pages that's in the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus. We walk through everybody's contract, kind of say which of the targets are vacated. So you can do that with the Packers. You can do that with any other team if you want to be a part of that, ultimatedraftkit.com. But let's talk rookies. Hi, rookie. Welcome to the NFL. Ah, rookie drafts. It's, it's a different animal than a startup, different than a redraft. And I will say that I have some of my best memories for my rookie drafts of like, hey, I stole this player in the second round or I drafted in Dino Jr. Jalen Hurts at the 311, Jason, a couple years ago. I got in our main Dynasty League, Jalen Hurts at the 312, which makes sense because usually the person with that last pick won the championship like I did. Okay. And you got the 11 because you were, you know, you were close, but, you know, the bridesmaids. So thanks for pointing that out. Hey, bridesmaid, though. That's, 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 I'm in the group. I get in the photo. Um, yeah, rookie draft. I would say also there are mistakes that people can make that you think about forever. So, Betts, do you have any rookie draft mistakes over the years that just stay with you? You know, I do. <laughs> and uh, his name is Nikhil Harry. <laughs> that's that's mm. the take home here is, is the guy that I think a lot of people talk themselves into as the the. 1.01 or the 1.02 depending on how you had it that year and you know we swing and miss all the time another one that comes to mind is um who did uh the the vikings take oh, it was laquan treadwell a few years back <laughs> he was a guy that people were really excited about they talked themselves into it and um you know here we are <laughs> here we are we know what happened so yeah those uh those rookie picks are 
they're tough to nail, that's for sure. Especially if you're building a team with a vision in mind. Like, let's say you're assessing your team and you're saying, okay, I'm in a rebuild. I have to hit this pick if I want to continue to, you know, progress in a way that's like actually moving in a direction, not just sitting there. You're also one of those players that if you're in the middle rounds over and over and over again, it feels like your team is just going nowhere. You know, you're picking at the 107 and that's the 207. And at the end of the day, it's like your team's not going anywhere. Is somebody else going to take that pick and find it more valuable? So that's what we're going to talk about on this show. We're going to give six tips from rookie drafts that we think you can use this week, like this next week if you're doing a draft. So I'll start us off and you guys can just pick it apart if you need to. Okay, so just tell me I'm stupid. I will if you are. All right. We tend to overvalue... You're so stupid! Kyle, that was a... What a dumb, dumb tip that I was. I mean, just so dumb. And that's why you should be taking CJ <laughs> All right. Okay, go on. CJ go on. What's your tip? Uh, we tend to value immediate opportunity and landing spot over talent. I think over and over and over again, I've looked at Dynasty Drafts. I've done a lot over the last couple of weeks. This is what people have done. An average draft position isn't perfect, but it does give us a consensus like this is what people have done over time. And I found that people forget that situations can change, but draft capital will never change. Jamarcus Russell will forever be able to say he was the number one pick by the Raiders a long time ago in one of the dumbest drafts ever. Draft capital doesn't change. But situations change all the time and year to year. So like, for instance, the Texans, Last year, we loved Damian Pierce. We loved where he landed. We didn't love the draft capital, but we loved the situation. A year later, we could be talking about something completely different if they take a running back and everything else. Things change in an instant, but last year, we were like, they have no running backs on the roster. And I found that when we reach on running backs, it usually doesn't pay off. The, the hardest part in fantasy for Dynasty is that you need elite running backs, but you also know they don't last forever. Like, that's the hardest part, I think, of Dynasty football is how do I take the most valuable asset in the game and then keep it and then turn it over and trade it? You know, you talked about this, Jason, right? Yeah, for sure. You, I mean, the, what you do is you, you try to get two-year windows out of your running backs and then you cycle them for more youth over and over and let other people hold the four-year older bag. But but what you're saying when it comes to rookie drafts and uh, – of you know, over-inflating the situation and the landing spot versus the player's talent and draft capital is its a common mistake people make. I remember when A.J. Brown landed to the Titans. It was like, ah, that's a bad landing spot. They're not a good passing team. The volume won't be there. And even though prior to the landing spot, we're like, oh, A.J. Brown's so good. I love A.J. Brown. Turns out, <laughs> turns out A.J. Brown's really good. There's an article on the, on the website, and we're all huge fans of this guy, Matt DeSorbo, one of our writers, but he has an article called What Matters Most for Rookies, Skill or Landing Spot? And this is what he found out. He wanted to go a little further than just draft capital. And so pretty smart stuff, you know, no big deal, Harvard, PhD dude. Uh, he quantified skill and landing spot, and he found this. With running backs, skill and landing spot is pretty much equal, but for wide receivers, talent and skill is so much more important than the landing spot. Like you mentioned with A.J. Brown. It was like, ah, that's an offense that doesn't throw the ball a lot. They drafted Corey Davis a couple years before. They have Derrick Henry. It turns out he was just really good at football. So landing spot is not as important for wide receivers. So Jalen Waddle a couple years ago, we're like, I don't know what Tua is, but Jalen Waddle is just good at football. 
So let me give you some more numbers, and then uh, let me see what you guys think. But I looked at every rookie running back that was drafted in the third round or later in the NFL draft. Okay, so you know you're getting later draft capital for these running backs. And I looked at where managers took them in Dynasty. There was 40 of them since 2015. Only five of them became an RB1 in their first year, but 13 of those running backs were taken in the top five picks. Like, think about that. Since 2015, 13 running backs that had draft capital, third round or later, were taken as a top five rookie pick. It's a really, really common mistake, and I have personally yes. been guilty of it. And so that's why we, uh, that's why we're giving this tip. It's not. It's for everybody. It's for ourselves and for you. Don't overinflate that crap. Yeah, bets. There's a like. There's a player in the list. It was uh, Darrell Henderson, your boy, uh, and. He had the landing spot with the Rams. His draft capital was fine. It was third round, but he was boosted all the way up to being a top five pick. Do you think that's a common thing? Like this year, let's say Zach Charbonnet is a third round pick. Do you think he could be boosted up because of the landing spot? We'll see what happens with the the wide receivers uh, on Thursday night. But yeah, I mean, certainly if he does go to a spot where you could see him as the, the week one starter, people love to talk themselves into that. Right out of the out of the gate, the issue is he's already kind of in that 1.05 to 1.07 ish range from what I've seen before the NFL draft. So he maybe he jumps up, but yeah, he's he's the prime example I feel like this year where that could happen. Um, you know, people also love Dwayne McBride as a potential guy that could land somewhere and jump up rookie drafts. So yeah, I, I'm I'm with you guys though. You got to be weary of that. Um, and you know, we saw it last year with like Jahan Dotson, a first round wide receiver, 16th overall to Washington. Everyone kind of just was like, "Yeah, who cares?" You know, like who who cares? And he just fell to the back of the first. So um, I think Kyle's point is is very valid and very helpful. And my take home here is, Kyle, we should just uh, draft the best players. All right. Well, then, Bets, what's your pick? Since you think that Borgs is good, what's what's your best tip here? Yeah. So I'm gonna shift our focus here to the second round, and and honestly, you could even lump third round picks into this, but. My title of, of this is Second Round Rookie Picks Are Fool's Gold. And I want to give the caveat, yes, of course you're going to hit on a difference maker for your fantasy lineups every now and then. You know, back in 2021, we had Amon Ross St. Brown at the 2.06. We had the Muth at 2.08. You know, a couple years before that, uh, Pity City, 2.06. 2019, Damian Harris, 2.04. Okay, great. But when you look at the guys that go in that range, the misses are way more drastic than the hits. We're talking about guys from two years ago. Zach Wilson, Kyle's boy, <laughs> Terrace Marshall Jr., a.k.a. Whoa, whoa. Lockjaw. Deami Brown. Him. Yes. Chuba Hubbard. I mean, a couple of years before that, you're talking about Denzel Mims. People love. Zach Moss, some people loved. LaVisca Chenault was a Dynasty Twitter darling. You can go back three, four, five, six years. There are so many misses in the second round range that before your rookie draft, seconds feel like great dart throws don't they like you're like i got the 204 this year like this is going to be a great player probably not i mean that's the reality it's probably not and so not my takeaway from this go ahead jason yeah not not only is it a, a really valuable uh pick right now as far as uh what people perceive it to be but those middle second rounders when you're in the draft when you're on the clock, when a guy that people like has fallen to the 204-205, oh, baby, that pick is worth a lot. People want to trade to get their guy because they want to get the Amon Ra, and they 
can. It happens. Uh, but you, you're you're right. The vast majority are actually bad picks. Yeah, and so you know when I was looking at these guys and just looking at historical ADP from the last you know four or five years, I mean I feel like at the time when I'm in in my rookie drafts and I have these picks. And like you're saying, someone falls, whether it's, you know, the dynasty Twitter darling, the Visca Chenault, someone's like, oh, I got to get Visca. I got to trade up for him. Go ahead. Trade him away. Trade away that 2.05, 2.067, whatever it is, and get like a wide receiver three for your team, a wide receiver four who's 27 years old or 28 years old and people think they're just done. Take the proven production with these second round picks. They're just not worth it. And, you know, if you can't do that, use it to move up in your rookie draft, you know, Take the 1.12 and the 2.05 and go up five or six spots. Get a guy that you can actually potentially get as a difference maker. So I am OUT a lot of times on these second round rookie picks. Oh, and don't even get me started on third round. It is ugly. Third round is is it's garbage. I mean, it, it is literally trash. I, I I view third round picks as nothing. Genuinely, if if there's a trade and someone throws in a third round pick, I don't even. I don't even calculate it. I, I don't, usually get more offended, actually. <laughs> I, I don't when I get count the it. Or, yeah, third or later is, and I'll, I'll happily, any trade I'm trying to make, I will throw in a third round pick into my offer because I, I do see it as basically worthless. Keep in mind, when you draft that third round pick that almost for sure is not going to hit, I mean, they, you know, there, there's, there's some hits there every now and then. We just talked about, uh, Jalen Hurts and and actually one of the tips I'm going to my second tip today we'll talk about kind of how to target the third round because you will be making picks in the third round from time to time um, but I, actually this is kind of a nice segue to, to my first tip um, if I can just go which go, is go 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 that veterans are more valuable than rookie picks they just are they aren't as sexy they aren't as beloved, and that's why you can actually make deals during the draft. Once your draft starts, if it's a if it's a slow draft, which I know a lot of dynasty rookie uh, drafts are slow, most of mine are. You've got time to find deals and to make moves, and getting veterans for these rookie picks is a much 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 higher hit rate. Now, I'm not talking necessarily about the very top of the draft. The very top of your rookie drafts, you know, Bijan's going to be a hit. We know that. So if you're going to trade him, you you need to get a haul of hauls. And honestly, you can get that. But as you go through the draft, I would be shopping them for people that are like, my guy has fallen to this spot. I, you know, I, I want him. Go get a, a solid veteran. And, and so I've got a couple targets, just examples of people that I would personally rather have than the pick. So if I have the 105, a really good pick, that's that's a nice quality pick. I would trade that for Cooper Cup. And a lot of a lot of dynasty managers out there would happily unload a 29-year-old, 30-year-old wide receiver for the shot of a you know, a 105 is a kind of high-end first-round pick. In a super flex, I could see that work out. Oh, in a super flex, you'll definitely get that done. I'm I'm speaking even of a non super flex, um, and and Cooper Cup maybe he only has two years left of extreme value, but his value is abnormal. He is a championship winner 
And so take the next two years and get that. If I'm at the back of the first, the one-two turn, um, you know, someone like Josh Jacobs, uh, Drake London, I, I doubt you'll get them if it's not a super flex for that pick, but they're more valuable. Once you get into the second round, um, people falling to the middle of the second, if I can go get a James Conner or a Dallas Goddard, um, someone soured on Michael Pittman, absolutely go get the veterans that you know have roles, have jobs, have guaranteed fantasy production coming because who you're picking at the 205 more than likely will be nothing. In in a league we're in, Jason, last year I was in the middle of the year and I, I needed an extra boost and James Conner was a player that was under contract. You know, you had a couple more years left and I traded away my second round pick and another player, just, you know, another bench player to get James Conner because I just needed a boost. He had a great second half of the year. And he's kind of slotted in as like my RB three right now, but it was one of those things where I don't great, know. Great move. I don't know what the two is. And this year, you know, I'm looking at Jalen Hyatt or you know other Marvin Mims, like players like that that could be nice, but I don't know what they're going to be yet. So I agree. Like that was one of those moves that I said, this is a veteran. I know that he has this backfield in Arizona, and so I'll take the chance on that right now over whatever this could be next year. Yeah, and and your third round pick, which is pretty much worthless, but. Not everybody views third-round picks like that. People like third-round picks. And, you know, not everyone's going to be listening to this show or other dynasty shows um, that talk about the, the abysmal hit rates of third-round picks. Someone like Adam Thielen, right? I'm out on Adam Thielen. I don't, I don't <laughs> like him, especially for dynasty. He's old. He's worthless, whatever. But if you could say, okay, Adam Thielen this year is going to get, you know, 875 yards and four touchdowns and, you know, He'll be someone you could start in a flex uh, from week to week. If you could get 895 and four forever, if you could get that for eternity, every year, and he never ages, you'd do that, right? Yes. Then just trade your third round for an aging veteran every year. You don't need to, you know, you get a third round pick every single year. So instead of just wasting it on, a pick that turns into nothing, trade it for an aged veteran that nobody wants. Um, you know, the, Devin Singletary, people don't want him. Uh, Adam Thielen, people don't want him. Uh, Raheem Mostert, you know, is is worthless in Dynasty. He's old. He's injury prone. Just go get a one-year guy and do that every single year. I've went back through the last, you know, six, seven drafts, and the hit rate, like you guys mentioned, second third, second round is rough. Third round, even rough. Like it's around like fifteen percent. Like that's what you're getting. You're getting one, maybe two players per year that are valuable in a dynasty roster. Honestly, they're players that just kind of get turned over. Like it's it's not shocking that a third round pick ends up on a waiver wire halfway through the year. Like I took Danny Gray in a in a league last year. You know, wide receiver for the 49ers. I was like, okay, well maybe he can be the guy. But it's like they're probably gonna extend Ayuk. They did extend Debo, and he's one of those players that's like, I, he barely got on the field. Like, I don't know what to do with him, but it felt like a wasted pick at this point, and his hit rate feels pretty low. So I agree. Let's trade those away. All right, before we get any further, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, Foot Clan, it is a big, big week. The NFL Draft is approaching, and it's Ultimate Draft Week, which means we've got some very special giveaways 
that come along with that UDK Plus. You get access to the Dynasty Pass right now, which I know you want, you need, it's important to your life. But if you pick it up before Sunday, this week, you'll be entered to win a signed Jalen Waddell jersey, a signed DK Metcalf jersey, and you'll be entered to win a listener league spot, a chance to come and play with us, all for pre-ordering the UDK before Sunday as we celebrate the NFL draft, as Jason uh, sits there with, you know, on pins and needles, waiting for where Bijan's going to go. You need to head over to ultimatedraftkit.com. Check out the UDK Plus, the Dynasty Pass. Get it right now so you're entered to win. Ultimatedraftkit.com. All right, we're back. We're going to go through a couple more rookie draft strategy tips. Bets, why don't you hit us with your second one? Yes, this is perfect timing because my uh, second tip here is called Strike While the Iron's Hot and Stay One Step Ahead of Your League Mates. There is no better time than right now if you're a Dynasty player, if you've got your rookie draft starting on Monday or whatever day next week. It is exciting. Don't get me wrong. And I'm excited to see what happens with these rookies on you know Thursday and Friday of the NFL draft, see where their landing spots are, see who I'm going to get with the 1.09 in my draft. Let's be real. The value of these picks is going to go down over the course of the next several months. But right now, the allure of just the 1.06, it's the unknown. You're so excited to have it because it could be a difference maker for your dynasty team. It could be a player you have on your team for 10 years. He could be a top 12 wide receiver, but probably not, right? I mean, so what I'm trying to say here with this is you need to understand the life cycle of dynasty rookie picks. Right now, no one's thinking about 2024. No one wants a 2024 first or anything beyond that. Everyone wants 2023 first right now. So from you know January to April, as soon as the NFL season, college season ends, we start to turn the page, we look towards the next season, and all of a sudden, these rookie picks start to gain steam. So when I'm thinking about, you know, we talked about it last week, we just talked about it right now, these late first, early seconds that gain value right now, we know the hit rate is terrible. So I'm going to make a little mental note every year when I get around my rookie draft, I'm going to try to trade those away. At the same time, when you're in season and you can see the end coming for your roster, you see that you're not going to make the playoffs, go get those 2024 first, you know, even seconds, whatever, because they're only going to gain value over time. So just understanding kind of when they uh, gain value, when they lose value, when to trade for them, when to trade them away is so crucial. You don't want to be, tra- you know, uh, trading away for a premium when you don't have to, when you can do it a year early. Yeah, the, it's so. It's, this is such a good tip to understand the life cycle of these picks because it's the same exact asset and it's worth nothing and everything at different times. So, you know, in our main dynasty league, I have the 101. I have Bijan Robinson. I've, I get all of the value. I could trade him for infinity right now I've had some offers that are just absolutely mind-blowing but the way I got the 101 was halfway in the season looking through the league and being like man that team over there sucks (laughs) they are going to lose the most games I want their first and I was able to trade Chris Godwin for that pick could you imagine what offering Chris Godwin for the 101 right now You'd be laughed out of the planet, and it's the exact same pick. So Betts is right. Right now is the time where you're trading them away, but you want to trade for them. 
You want to accumulate these picks. They have value, but you trade for uh, the future ones now and then midseason, especially like week six. Week six, you kind of have a good idea of who sucks, who's good, who's going to be a top half pick or a bottom half pick. But it's so early that no one cares yet about the 2024 draft. Can I, you know, ask for a dear friend of mine, just a really close guy, you know, good good friend of mine. He's in a situation where I feel like this advice would come in handy. So I just want to get y'all's thoughts for him because he's just a really great guy. Mm. Um, if this friend had the 102, okay, so one quarterback rookie draft. If they had the 102, and this friend was offered the 105 in a 2024 first. I mean, that's a pretty tempting offer. And this, based on this advice, uh, bets you're saying that this would be better for me because I'm only moving down three spots. I mean, my friend is. And uh, anyway, <laughs> well, what are your thoughts on that deal? Just the framework of that deal. What's hilarious about this is just for listeners, Kyle has asked me about trade advice for his 102 pick for what feels like four <laughs> weeks straight now, by the way. So I am very well versed in this situation. I would say if you're getting a 2021st as a throw in to move down a few spots, unless you have just a huge, huge, massive tier break between, you know, JSN and Jordan Addison or Gibbs and Addison or whoever it is for you in your rankings. I mean, if someone's just going to throw in a 2024 first, I probably would take that deal. I'm 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 asking Jason here, but I'm, he is the most biased person yeah, on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I have tried to get that 102. I have the 104, so I could offer the same deal but better uh, to move from the. But I guess in one way, I would answer it by saying I would not trade the 2024 first and the 104 for the 102. So. It's, Maybe it, that shows you that the value of the trade that you've been offered is is pretty good. Yeah, I think the value, just apart from just players, I think that's good value following this advice. For us, we're in a rebuild, and we just need to get something right. So JSN seems like who we're locked into without the landing spot, and we just ask ourselves, who are we comfortable with putting actual names to this? Like, okay, are we comfortable with Charbonnet if he's at 105? Are we comfortable with Addison? Are we comfortable with Quentin Johnston? So that's kind of been it. And, and I would just say, this is a mini tip, but... Put names to mm -hmm. these assets. You're, we're, we talk about that all the time when we talk about trading spots like and keepers. Put names to it. So um, would I be comfortable with JSN for you know Zach Charbonnet and a 2024 late round pick? And, and we that's what we kind of did. So, uh, but I, I keep forgetting Jason that you have the 104. So there's a lot. Yeah, I'm very biased here. Uh, yes. Why don't you go with the next point? Uh, sure. So this is about. Um, it, this kind of takes a lot of the tips we've been talking about and just gives you a game plan. Um, this is for non-Superflex leagues. Obviously, in Superflex leagues, usually the very beginning of the picks are going to be all the first-round quarterbacks. I would caution you a little bit on that, but you, Kyle, you're going to talk more about that in a yes, second. Yes. So if you're a Superflex player, um, there's a lot of good information here coming. In, in normal dynasty leagues of one single quarterback, here's how I approach it. I do not draft quarterbacks and tight ends in round one and mostly not in round two either I'm going to focus on wide receivers and running backs in those first two rounds you you want to say when you're drafting not like oh I, I I like this player or I have this team need but more what is the probability or the percentage that this player is going to matter for fantasy football look at it like that in fact Kyle you just did this literally 
two seconds ago when you're putting the names to the players and you're saying you just need a hit, right? You need to be right because you're in a rebuild. And JSN, you feel like, is safe. He is a he is going to hit. He is going no matter where he goes, he might not have the same ceiling, but he's gonna hit. Jordan Addison, we like him. But are you sure he's gonna hit? No. Right. You're not sure. So there's a real gap. So when you when you when you're drafting these players, that's how I like to approach the picks is what is the percentage chance? The first half of the first round should be a seventy five percent hit rate. You should be hitting on the majority of those picks. Yeah, there'll be a Nikhil Harry mixed in, and those suck. It's not a guarantee. But the top of the first should be a guaranteed hit. The second half of the of the first is like a 50% hit rate. Second round, Betts talked about it. You're probably only at a, about a 33% hit rate. And the third round and on is nearer to 10%. One or two players in that round will be relevant. The rest will not be. I talked about it in my little when I snuck on for the tight end show. But the tight end hit rate is abysmal. It's basically 10%. So if you are drafting those players that basically have a 90% whiff rate, if you're drafting them in the first round or even the second round, you're taking a bad bet. You're taking a 10% bet at a spot where you should be hitting 30% or you should be hitting 50%. We just talked about, Kyle, you and I both got Jalen Hurts at the end of the third round. People did that with Lamar Jackson. I think in a single quarterback league, Hinden Hooker is going to be a phenomenal third round pick. People aren't going to want him. He's going to drop. He's not going to be able to start this year. He's going to be a later round guy that I think is a great pick. Sam Laporta at tight end. He's going to be a third round pick while guys like Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid They'll be drafted in the first round in some of these dynasty rookie drafts. That is a bad pick to make. Yes, they're talented. I like them. I, I had someone say on Twitter that like, oh, I hate this year's tight ends. No, this year's tight ends are awesome. They are great. I really like the talent. It doesn't matter. That doesn't change the hit rate for fantasy football of these tight ends. Um, and so... To me, I want to take the shots of the lower probability player types, the the quarterbacks and the tight ends. That's who I'm looking for in the third round, and I'm taking running backs and wide receivers in the first two rounds. Yeah, I, I really like that point. And just speaking to the tight ends and quarterback things specifically, I'm with you. I found starting caliber quarterbacks in one QB leagues that dropped at the back of the second, you know, the early third. And I talked about how bad those hit rates are. Some of the hit rates for the guys that have hit have been those positions. And I think you're going to see a lot of group think around rookie rankings, around you know Twitter or talking with your friends or whoever of, oh, this is a great target in the back of the first. Let someone else fall on that landmine. I'm with you. And this is maybe a spot where if you kind of know that and you know someone wants to come up and get, like you know uh, Jason mentioned, like Sam Laporta or whoever it is, like... I'm tr I'm trading back, and I'll take a quarterback. I'll take a quarterback and a second pick next year, or something like that, uh, to do that. So I like that that call a lot, and I agree. Like I'm almost always prioritizing running backs and wide receivers in round one. All right, so we've gotten this far, and I bet there's some people that are like, "Why aren't you talking about Superflex yet?" And uh, so we're gonna talk about it because it's part of the show, and it's a part of how people draft. And my question that I want to throw out to you, you the listener, is: Are we good? at taking quarterbacks early in super flex drafts because in general the advice that you get out there is 
you need to take them early. They should be your first three or four picks. I looked at every quarterback taken in the first round of rookie drafts since 2014. So in Superflex rookie drafts since 2014. Let me list you some of these names, Jason, that, you know, some of them did okay in football. Some of them out of the league real quick. Uh, Johnny Menzel, mm. uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Blake Bortles. Okay, that was the first year, the first year of this data set. Those are the quarterbacks taken. What does that tell you right there? Uh, with it, it tells me that not only do managers, you know, not get this right, the NFL got some of these wrong. Like Blake Bortles had a couple of fun fantasy years, but he was a very bad like prospect. Zach Wilson was the number two pick in the <laughs> NFL draft. Yeah, NFL teams get it wrong, and and so. Just that point in general is not saying, okay, it's a quarterback, you have to take them. Just recognizing the fact that they're not great. Going through this data set, there's been 24 quarterbacks since 2014 that were taken in the first round of a Superflex draft. So there's a first round pick in a Superflex. It's the most important one. They have about a 50% hit rate. And I'm qualifying a hit rate as, do they give you a top 12 fantasy season in their first two years? Like, that's pretty significant. I found that if they don't give you a top 12 quarterback season the first two years, they're very unlikely to ever give that to you. Okay, so the hit rate in general is about 50%. And I think more importantly, we care, does this player even start for my team? Like, it's crazy, but a lot of quarterbacks wait and bide their time and they get into the system, and I get that. But if a quarterback's not getting six starts in their rookie year, it's almost a death sentence. There's only two quarterbacks that came from that and, and actually did okay, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts. They are the outliers. Everybody else, if they didn't get six starts in their rookie year, you could basically abandon them and say, hey, they're not going to be a valuable asset. I also looked at this in terms of ADP, and players lose their value pretty rapidly year to year, but we're also pretty quick to crown certain players as this is now the player in Superflex. Like Baker Mayfield, after his rookie year, Guys, he was the number four ranked dynasty quarterback among the consensus. So people are really quick to, to change these players. And the last thing I'll say is every quarterback that put up about 17 fantasy points per game as a rookie, they maintain that. So here's what I found is that in general, we're drafting quarterbacks at the right spot now. Like the last like four or five years, we've done a good job. Joe Burrow was the 101. Uh Trevor Lawrence was the 101 in Superflex Leagues. Uh, Justin Fields was the 104. Like, we've done a better job of pushing these players up in Superflex, but what I'm not telling you is that the hit rate for these players is really bad when you look at all the other misses. You know, the Josh Rosens, the Sam Darnolds, uh, Baker Mayfield, Dwayne Haskins, uh, Zach Wilson, who we mentioned. So keep that in mind. They're not a guarantee because they're not a guarantee in the NFL. It's about a 50% hit rate, and if you don't get a quarterback one season early, it's probably not going to happen. So, Betts, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, when you were talking about those specific examples of guys that we all thought could be it and then <laughs> found out very quickly they weren't, the NFL is taking away fantasy just for a second. The NFL, if you don't have one of the top quarterbacks, you're not winning a Super Bowl, and you're not gonna even getting close to the Super Bowl. You have to have that. And so we're seeing, I think, just NFL teams be willing to take their L's sooner than later and just move on and make a change. And obviously that means if you use your dynasty quarterback for Superflex, 
and you don't have a quarterback too because you're so in on Zach Wilson turning it around, you're stuck holding the bag, right? So you need to be able to kind of identify, like Kyle's saying, some of these trends of these guys that put up numbers in their first year or two, they probably are going to keep their starting job for a little while. Whereas we have Trey Lance situations, and now he's probably maybe going to be taken over from Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy. So these situations change so quickly because the NFL knows the premium of the position, and we should treat it that way You know, in, in fantasy too. When you have these guys, you have them locked in, and when you see the writing on the wall that the bottom might be falling out sooner than later, one name that's coming to mind right now, Mac Jones seems to be in bad favor in New England. You know, For example, maybe teams make the switch sooner than you think. So I think my takeaway here with, with Kyle's point is just like, if you don't see it in the first year or two, you've got to get out. Yeah, I, I, I think it's really important because the super flex um, advice that I think most people receive is wrong. I, I think that, you know, if you look at just current Superflex rankings, and our Superflex rankings are coming to the UDK Plus right after the NFL draft. They're going to be um, up, and you'll be able to see where, where we would have them ranked. I think usually when I've seen other people's Superflex rankings, it goes Bijan number one, and then the four-pack of rookies expected to go in the top 10, 12, 15 picks as in whatever order they like as 102, 103, 104, and 105. And to me, this is a mistake. If you don't believe, you know, if, if you don't believe Will Levis is good, why just because he's a quarterback are you taking him over great players? I'm not, I, I'm not saying you, sh you know, oh, don't draft Will Levis. No, of course. If you've got the first round draft capital, there's usually a guarantee of several seasons and, and there's only 32 starting jobs. Quarterbacks are important. But I think that this year's draft class is probably the, the, the nearest example we have to it is 2021, right? You had a five-pack of quarterbacks that, that went. You had Trevor Lawrence is kind of the Bryce Young. Okay, he's going to be the best, but then some people like C.J. Stroud more. That's the Trey Lance. Uh, you know, you had Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones all go in the first round. And if you look at the Superflex ADP then, you know, you were taking Trey Lance – Oh, ADP. So this is what happened on average. You took Trey Lance over Jamar Chase. Right. How do you feel about that now? Just because he was a quarterback. You took Zach Wilson ahead of Najee Harris because he was a quarterback. You took Mac Jones ahead of Jalen Waddell. How stupid is that? Ahead of Devontae Smith, ahead of Travis Etienne, because they were a quarterback. I don't think that's the right way to approach Superflex. Yes, Quarterback is the most important in Superflex. You get it right, you're going to win a lot. But that doesn't mean that you have to take dumb shots just because of that other truth. They, they're not, you know, you, you've got to put reason as well and the other prospects. So, for instance, for me, I have JSN at the 102 in my Superflex rankings. And I know that that's faux pas. You're supposed to take the quarterbacks there. But I think he's a much more surefire bet than any of this year's quarterback crop what's funny is i was going to give a follow-up because i'm in a super flex league and i have the 102 and my team is trash at quarterback and I've that makes it so much harder for yes, sure <laughs> yes but i've gone back and forth and looking at this with this team and saying okay would i rather have jsn or would i rather have like a bryce young or cj stroud um and i'm leaning towards jsn because of this data because i think bryce young 
you know, everyone can say like his floor is super high. I could say CJ Stroud, who I love, has a really high floor. I could say the same thing about JSM, but I feel like we're really wrong a lot of the time about quarterback more than I thought doing this study. And so it's not a guarantee. I'd rather have a player that I I know that most wide receivers, especially that are taken in the first round early, and JSN is above the rest of this group. From the NFL perspective in fantasy, I think you can have an eight to ten year like thing that you can say, hey, this is who this player is. So that's my that's where I've landed right now. And and you gotta know your league. Um know what their tendencies are. If they are the league that basically the quarterbacks are always the first, you know, whatever first round quarterbacks, those are gonna be the first picks. Bijan is an outlier, so he's taken above. If if that's your league that you're in and you've got the one oh two that doesn't necessarily mean you have to draft JSN there. You could probably trade back to the 105, get a bunch more assets, let three quarterbacks go, and then grab JSN there. Well, so, Betts, let's put this into practice because based on my study, it's about a 50% hit rate, and there's four quarterbacks. I'm not going to include Hooker. Just there's, there's, there's four right now. Is like Which of those two would you say you are most scared of in terms of fantasy being a flop? The quarterbacks? Yes. We talked about this with Mike. I'm terrified <laughs> that Will Levis might not pan out. And, you know, it's, I just keep going back to the whole five years in college and had to transfer and, and all those sort of things. But he's getting a ton of love, and I could see why people would take him in Superflex. But I feel like he's the guy this year that, you you know, in Superflex, people are going to say, you got to take him over JSN or you got to take him over Jordan Addison if he's your guy. Um I just have a really bad feeling about it. I don't know. I could be wrong, but he's one of those guys that I, I feel like I just don't necessarily uh, want to put my name on this year. All right. Let's get to some mailbag questions. Mailbag. So, Jason, I don't know if you know, but when Betts and I do DFS betting, we purposely chose a drop where somebody else does the mailbag. Yeah, I see that. That's smart so that you don't have to sing. I think I've used the live drop from a, a Minnesota live show. Like I, I've I've tried to get other people into it, but the last time I did a mailbag was on the Footcast, and Brooks can attest to this. I killed it. Really? Yeah, Ooh. like to the point where Andy goes, "Wow, that was incredible. It's the best thing I've ever okay. done." Prove it. And I hope I will never have to do it again. All right, we're gonna answer some dynasty mailbag questions. This first one. I thought was great from Eric. How do you differentiate your film study between looking at rookie tape versus the process when you look at NFL film? Most of the rookies show them playing against players that aren't NFL caliber. I like this. If they play against chumps, what can really be learned? Jason. A lot. Um, because you want to know who else is playing against chumps? Every other college prospect I'm looking at, they're all playing against the same caliber. I mean, not necessarily the exact same caliber if you're SEC versus, you know, a, a, a secondary school. Uh, but the the truth is we do a lot better study on rookies than we do on NFL tape. Like, I'm watching games, and I'm trying to take in everything um, when we're watching, you know, the NFL, and, and you're – when you're scouting college players, I'm watching every route. I'm trying to get all 22, and I'm looking at, I'm looking at that player so much more in depth than I ever look at an NFL player once they're you know playing, and we're in week seven, and you know we're watching games, and you know I don't I don't always go back. I certainly don't go back and watch every player and watch their routes and watch you know individual stuff. So. 
I think a lot can be gained uh, from scouting these college players, and I'm not comparing them to NFL players. I am comparing college players to college players. I'm comparing them to their counterparts that year, and as you do it year after year after year after year, you're comparing it to what you've seen, and, and you kind of get really used to what a college player should produce like. You know, you're you're playing against weaker caliber guys, so when I'm watching a running back, if I see that they're never really pulling away from them, you know, if they get in the open field, they always get caught, I know they're never housing it in the NFL. So, you, you know, you take those things in mind. But I, I do think that um, college study is more valuable than NFL study. Yeah, and, and I don't necessarily – like you said, Jason, kind of like scout these guys against the defenders they're facing. Like that's not what I do personally. I don't think that's what any of us do. But I, you know, will watch a couple of them in a row. So like you'll watch JSN play and run routes and then you'll watch Josh Downs play and run his routes. And, you know, you can just see and feel the difference between how guys win and, and how technically sound they are and if they command the ball and all these sort of things. So, yeah, I would say I more compare players the same position in the same class versus trying to watch how they compare to NFL players uh, in the game. The hardest part is recognizing what scheme this college team is using this player in, and are they going to be used in a different way in the NFL? That's one thing that I think none of us can be able to predict or figure out, like, hey, this guy was a slot-only wide receiver at LSU, and he put up awesome numbers. Cool, Justin Jefferson is going to go to the NFL and basically you know, run a ton of routes outside and just be the most dominant player ever. I think in the range of outcomes, none of us saw that saying like he's going to be one of the best ever. I knew he was going to be. I thought he would be good. Bets, I thought he would be better than Jalen Rager at least. Yeah, I thought so too. But what do I know, Kyle? Here I am, just doing this silly <laughs> podcast, not making <laughs> not making decisions for the uh, the Eagles franchise. That was um, that was one that I really didn't think I'd ever get over. But then some guy named AJ Brown came to town, so I'll be all right. That's pretty good. I'll say this about film watching. You get to develop your own process. It's not just a copy and paste and say this is what this person's done. Like I've had different things over the year that I've looked at, some more intensely than others, you know, and I've figured out, hey, this doesn't really matter. Like I was given a lot of time towards, you know, this part of, you know, film and I want to focus on this for quarterbacks or whatnot. So develop your own process, but it's fun. Like it's supposed to be a fun endeavor to ask yourself, what am I seeing or what am I not seeing on film? This next question is from Daniel. This probably is a Jason question. What sort of haul would it take to feel okay trading away the 101? It would take a lot, um, obviously. There are easy answers to this where, you know, it would basically be a sure thing. He's gone. Uh, someone comes to me and offers me, um, you know, a, a, a 2024 first alongside Jonathan Taylor, Brees Hall. Um. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's no guarantee that Bijan is better than Jonathan Taylor or Brees Hall at the end of this next year. Adding in a first rounder, sure. Um, if I can turn, um, in some kind of a package, Br uh, Bijan into Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, the the young, you know, godly wide receivers. Oh, I'm doing that in a heartbeat. That's where I'm focused right now with how high his value is, is I want to get an absolute young stud plus something if it's a running back or turn it into one of the young stud wide receivers. Betts, would you do, would you take the 101 for, I'm trying to think a step below Chase and Jefferson because 
I've tried to trade like for CD Waddle. Yeah. Would you do AJ Brown? Uh, what about CD Lamb and the 105? I mean, I I personally, because of how I build my teams around young, elite wide receivers, would do that deal. But I think you could get more. Honestly, I mean, right that's now, crazy. before I, I th- you might be right, but that that's just that's just crazy. Like I'm gonna say, before I would take CD Lamb in the 105. I would t- I would take CD Lamb in the 105 for sure. Yes, yeah. I would too. And I I think get more. <laughs> yeah, get more. <laughs> I love your approach, Jason, because you love Bijan. You've talked about him for a long time. But you're not so infatuated to the point where you, you don't realize that he could be, you know, a steal if you're trading him away and getting more value for relevant players. Yeah, and especially, you know, obviously we're we're 24 hours here away from the draft, <laughs> and and most people listening to this show might know where his landing spot is. But at the, as of this moment, there's no guarantee he goes to a great landing spot. His value could plummet after the draft. So, uh, you know, capitalize when players' value is out of whack. All right, next one's from Tim Hall. With the 102, this is kind of something we talked about. With the 102 and only Daniel Jones as my Superflex quarterback, would you take JSN or be forced to take a quarterback or shop the 102? Bets, what's your take on that? Because that this this team needs a quarterback. Yeah, and I would say this is this question, you know, year to year probably is a different answer depending on the quality of the quarterbacks that are there. But as we already talked about, I'm not necessarily going to overemphasize quarterback when there's tons of risk associated with and upside, I'll say at the same time, you know, Will Levis and Anthony Richardson come to mind. And, you know, again, 24 hours up in the NFL draft, we'll have the answer pretty soon. But it seems like the NFL has questions and concerns about CJ Stroud. So I'm taking probably JSN in this scenario. At the same time, I'm always shopping my rookie picks just to see what it can get me in my league. And every league is different. So you might need to see what goes on there. But yeah, if you can get a proven locked in starting quarterback for your your QB2 spot at 1.02. I'm fine with that if you want to look in a trade, but if you're just talking rookie picks for me, I'm I'm taking JSN. Yeah, if you feel like you want JSN but you are kind of like it might be better for my team to take one of these quarterbacks. I'm not even sure which quarterback to take. Oh, you know, you got those questions. That's where you look to shop to the 105. You know, they, we said that a minute ago, but that's what I would be doing. I would be trying to look see if I can get the 104 or the 105 plus you know, a good amount of a valuable veteran because I might still end up with JSN plus a veteran who I was going to take, you know, at the 102. It's it's better than just taking him. Or if you lose JSN and you end up having to go with that quarterback that you weren't sure of but you might have taken anyways, great. Well, now you've added assets to that quarterback. Let's put a name to this. It's, it's Bryce Young. He's there at the 102. And this person is, you know, they have Daniel Jones or they have, seems like nothing. Maybe they have Sam Howell or something else. But Howell! Go I, on. What would you do though? I mean, <laughs> like legitimately, this person might not have another starting quarterback. So for me I personally, wanna... in this scenario, and I, I kind of brain fart for a second, <laughs> completely forgot about Bryce Young being there at the 102 because everyone is taking Bijan at 1.01. Right. In that scenario, I'm taking Bryce Young because he's going to be the number one pick. Um, he'll have multiple chances to be the starter, and I, we talked about it, you know, with Mike. He is my personal QB one in this class, so I would take him in that scenario. Jason, I mean, I'm I'm asking this because I have a trash quarterback roster. Yeah, it's Russell Wilson and Trey Lance. Those are my quarterbacks in a super flex league. Last summer, that sounded pretty good. I know it sounded really (laughs) good in best ball. I I think my answer very well could change after the draft, knowing where some of these other quarterbacks go. I love Bryce Young as an NFL prospect. I don't love him as a fantasy prospect. Yes, Uh, I actually don't 
think he's going to be something special. Obviously, best case scenario, you get Drew Brees. You get you get a Hall of Famer who's throwing forty five hundred and thirty five every year, and man, what a what an opportunity to miss out. But he's not going to run the ball, so he has he has to be elite. And I don't see that happening for fantasy. So I would take JSN here if I couldn't move the pick. That would just be how I would approach it. Uh, but again, my priority would be to move this pick. So when I looked at my Superflex data, the point that I kept coming back to is, is he going to give me a top 12 quarterback season the first two years? And I would bet against that for Bryce Young right now. Yeah, me too. So then that tells me that JSN, just based on that data alone, that JSN feels like a, a better pick. All right, But I'm not sure Bryce Young would be the the pick because he's not mobile because he's not going to add anything on the ground you know it's it's ironic if you we 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 hate will levis you know what i mean <laughs> what? We, we i'm just saying we're we're very <laughs> anti will levis but like if you're like who scores more fantasy points this season will levis or bryce young you'd be like man that's tough because because will levis is going to run and then for this situation my 101 of quarterbacks for fantasy, again, just for fantasy, is Anthony Richardson. Right. But then he doesn't fit this for a team that doesn't have that second quarterback because he might not play this year. Yeah. Or if he does, it's going to be week eight, week nine. It's crazy. The four quarterbacks seem like a like a foregone conclusion in the first round, but the range of outcomes for fantasy, like these, all these quarterbacks could just like hit pretty low ceilings. Like, at, like I mean, Richardson has the highest one, but who knows how much he's going to play. So there's way more at stake here in a super flex draft than just four quarterbacks. You take them early. All right, a couple more. This one's from Mike on Twitter. I've got a good starting lineup, but not much depth. How does one contend for a title while also increasing your depth at the same time? Do those feel like they're counterintuitive things, Jason? Um, I mean, you, you've got to try to do both. Uh, obviously, it's it's very difficult because if you are trading – uh, for depth, you're losing out on your starting roster, and your starting roster is going to be what wins you a championship. Uh, the way to successfully do this, it's not something you can do immediately, in my experience. It's something that you, you do over a few years where you take your studs. Um, you know, I uh, one of the best examples in my recent past was I was able to trade Julio Jones, who was the goat, the goat for for Ceedee Lamb and a first, because he was you know he was nothing yet, and so you try to you try to to capitalize on the the veteran great starters in your lineup by getting someone who isn't there yet but you know is going to get there plus a first. Yeah, the the advice you gave earlier bets about second round picks, that's how I've kind of cycled through for my teams is I've always been contending, but I've been using that second round pick to trade for a wide receiver. You know, a couple years ago, it was Hollywood Brown after a down year. I traded a second for Hollywood Brown and he wasn't Cardinal yet. You know, there's a lot of things. I did the same thing for Brandon Ayuk two years ago and I used that same thing and I got, I did it even younger. I got George Pickens. So I've just cycled through my second round picks to build in and hope that I hit. Like, I don't know if Pickens is going to hit, but at least I'm giving myself a shot, and I think Pickens has a higher shot than whatever my second round is. So that's kind of how you build depth. You got anything on that, Betts? I, I was going to say, just going back to the second-round pick thing, like that's what you can trade away for if you are a contender and you have a good you know, starting lineup. You throw in those backup wide receivers that you can have as a flex option or plug in on your bye weeks. Stuff like that is how you do it. 
you know, people have been talking about for what feels like three years, like, oh, Tyler Lockett's done, DK Metcalf is there. And and now, obviously, we're closer to the end than we were two years ago, but you can get these 27, 28-year-old wide receivers that people want to just ship away. That's very different than running backs, who we know the bottom falls out very quick. Wide receivers, I'll take a second-round pick and turn them into a starting-caliber player for two years and, and figure it out after that. So second-round picks, keep turning them over. All right, last question here from Chris Meyer. Some friends of mine are wanting to transition our two-player keeper redraft into a full-on Dynasty League what is the best way to do that? Start from scratch, announce it, start the next year. What are you guys' thoughts? I have pretty strong thoughts on this, Chris. Um, my genuine advice to you, and I know this isn't probably what you're thinking, but open your mind to this as an option. I would create an additional league with these fellas that want to do it. Keep your two-player keeper league, your redraft league, and add a new dynasty league, you know that that even if it's all the same, all the same managers. If you're not into dynasty leagues yet, one of the greatest things about this, like you know, fantasy players are always like, "Oh, I'm in too many leagues. Oh, this is too much work. It's too much time, and we've got to get rid of leagues." That happens to everyone that that gets that itch, but it doesn't really happen with dynasty leagues as much. Because the workload of the in-season, you don't you don't have to mine the waiver wire quite the same. It's not as much work. It gives you, they mirror so well. It's like a yin-yang thing where if you've got a, a keeper league is pretty much a, a redraft league, especially if it's only a two-player keeper. Um, you pair that with a dynasty league. And they just fit together nicely from a seasonal standpoint. What you're talking about now is all the dynasty league. What you're going to be working on more in season is your your main league. So that's that would in in fact that is what we did uh, way back in the day. Our league of record team we had the majority of us spawn up a dynasty league. Not everybody wanted to do it, so we grabbed a couple different new managers, and that became our main dynasty league. And it was so easy and fun. If you if you don't want to do that though. I would um, start from scratch. I would just say, hey, next year it's going to be a dynasty league. We're going to have a startup draft uh, and and change. Yeah, the timing of it, starting a dynasty league is important. You can do it whenever, but you have to get the entire league on board with it. My personal favorite time to start a dynasty league is to have two drafts. So like to do a startup. I like doing it the startup like after free agency and then you get another draft for a rookie draft. That's just me personally. Um, and then... You just want everyone to be involved in in being fully in on this Dynasty League. But Jason's right. The best part about having a keeper and a Dynasty is you kind of get both. You don't want to completely do away with waivers because that's what you're going to miss out on is the weekly in-season waivers if you convert just to Dynasty only. And you need everybody in your league to be in on that. So we have some good content on our website if you want to look at that for how to convert different leagues uh, from a redraft to a keeper and a keeper to a Dynasty if you want to look that up on our website. But boys... It's it's almost here. Uh, you know, we'll a couple more sleeps, and uh, we're here at the draft. I'm gonna rest my voice and one more be sleep. prepared for the draft. One more sleep. Wait. What? Oh yes, let's go. I mean that that's all we got to do is just go to sleep. Now that's gonna be a challenge. I feel like because there's gonna be a point. Jason's done right now. You're actually gonna play pickleball Thursday morning, so it's gonna be a long day on Thursday. Worth worth it. It's totally gonna be worth it. You can check out everything at ultimatedraftkit.com. We'll talk to you next week with our rookie mock draft. 
See ya. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast. If you want to take your dynasty skills to the next level, check out the fantasyfootballers.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.